Before we get to today's episode, I want to ask you guys for a big favor. If you could leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, anywhere else, it goes a long way. It helps other people find the show and it lets us know that we're doing something right. Okay, let's get to today's episode. Today, I'm going to talk about something that I tweeted about a little while back and it got a lot of attention. And that is about the time I raised a million dollars in seed funding and how over the course of three years, I almost lost everything, including all the money and the company. And in the end, I bought out all my investors and built what is now a multi-million dollar business out of that near failure. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. First thing you have to understand is I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. From when I was really 13 years old, I can remember starting a, sh- a snow shoveling company. And then after that, I was a club promoter and a concert promoter and an internet guy. And I was always just hustling, trying to make a buck, not just because I wanted to make the money, although I wanted to really crack the code on business models. I love the mechanics of how businesses worked and how you were able to create value from nothing, going from 0 to 1, going from 1 to 5, going from 5 to 10. That's always been what's excited me. So finally, in 2015, I had a business that I thought would be great to grow in a big way. And so I decided to raise some money. So I ended up raising about a million bucks. And what happened next was sort of a series of lessons through trial and error, success and failures. And I'll get into that right now. So I had been working on a tech startup for a few years. I had been working probably since about 2012 on this tech startup. And after a few years and making some money and having some success, in 2015, I finally raised some money. I needed about 750000 That was going to be my seed round, a very, very small round. Even back in those days, today it would be like nothing. Had a ton of investor meetings, met with probably 100 investors over the course of a few months. Wasn't easy. Finally... There was a venture capitalist, I'm going to call him Ted for the sake of the story, who said he would write me a check, a partial check. He would lead the round as long as I had a few others come in to fill out the round. So this is typically how it works. You want to raise $750,000. Someone comes along and says, okay, great. I'll take $200,000 or I'll take $250,000, but you got to raise the rest. I'm not going to invest unless you raise the full $750,000. So I had a ton of meetings. I was meeting with person after person, pitches, boardrooms, slide decks, breakfasts. I had a funny experience where I was explaining to a billionaire how YouTube works. The guy had no idea. And so finally, finally, we managed to hit that number. We actually exceeded the number. We were oversubscribed. We reached a million dollars in secured funding. This was amazing. We were oversubscribed. I was over the moon. I went back to Ted. I told him that we had gotten there. We did it. Went through the whole due diligence process, the whole rigmarole of actually raising the money. And then I remember one day I was on a streetcar. And I remember sitting there. I knew the funds were going to come in that day. My lawyer had told me, okay, it's going to be sometime later this morning. And I was sitting on a streetcar and I'm refreshing my my bank account. I'm refreshing my my app every 20 seconds. And there was like, I don't know, two grand in the bank. Refresh, 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 a million dollars. You know, when you see that seven figure show up on your bank account balance, that was game changing for me. It was awesome. It was absolutely amazing. 
So let me get into the structure of how this fundraise actually worked. It was convertible debenture. So convertible debenture, for those who don't know, is essentially debt. Debt that you're raising for your company. And the reason we call it convertible debenture as opposed to just debenture is because it converts into equity when you do your next fundraise. So think about it like this. I'm going to raise a million dollars today. The plan is that I'm going to raise more money in the next three years. So when we raise that next round of funding, this first million will convert into equity at the terms of the next funding round. If we raise our next funding round, let's say $5 million at a $20 million valuation pre-money, which means the company's worth 20% post-money or the investment is worth 20% post-money, that means that the people who invested $100,000, let's say, in our convertible debenture will convert later. doesn't really matter if you don't understand what, how, what, what all that means. You can research convertible debentures on your own. The important thing to understand is that the mechanics of a convertible debenture means that you are forced to raise more money or you need to pay the money back. That's how it works, just like any other debt. Now, nobody pays the money back, or at least I don't know anybody who has paid back a, a convertible debenture. It doesn't happen very often. Usually, either you go on to raise more money or you go out of business. The terms of the convertible debenture were, again, three years, and there was a cap, a $10 million cap and a 15% discount. Again, don't even worry about that. You want to know what that means, Google it or, or DM me on Twitter. I'm happy to explain. So... The lawyers explained to me what this all meant, how it all worked. I got it. At least I thought I understood. And I felt really good about myself because I figured we have a great company here. We're going to build our software. We're going to grow and become something much bigger. And we will go on and raise a Series A, maybe at a 20 or 30 or $40 million valuation in a few years. It was the heyday. This is like 2015, 16. I thought this is going to be great. I was excited. The next 12 months were hard. You know, it was a lot of hiring and firing, realizing our software really didn't work that well. SaaS is so hard. You're building and building and you cannot turn the ship around. When you realize that the software doesn't really have a product market fit, it's really hard. And listen, all the stuff that I tweet about today and I talk about on the podcast, I learned it the hard way. I learned it from making so many mistakes. And these days, people talk to me, they think I'm an expert. And, and you know, in many ways, yeah, I am because I've done all these things wrong. I didn't go to school to learn about it. I figured it out. We had a piece of software that just didn't get the job done. We were hiring developers and software engineers and data scientists, and they were sucking up all kinds of money, and we just couldn't get it right. But around month 15, so just after the first year went by, after we fundraised, something funny started to happen. I noticed that the cash in our bank account wasn't really going down. So we were burning through a million dollars. And if you think about it, well, after a year, how much did we have left? You know, 20, 50, 100,000? No, we actually had quite a bit of money. It was probably almost a million, maybe just under a million dollars. And the reason was because we couldn't sell our software. Clients weren't buying it, but we were selling a really good managed service offering. So instead of going out and selling the software, our salespeople, who were very smart, we're just saying, hey, listen, software doesn't really do its job, but why don't we just do this for you? We'll accomplish for you what the software is supposed to accomplish. We'll use the software internally because we know how to use it, which was kind of true, I guess. But you as the client don't need to do anything. Just pay us a big chunk of money. We'll do this all for you. And that was actually working. We had an awesome managed service company. These days, they would call it like a tech-enabled company. 
We weren't selling the tech, but we were enabled by the tech and it was helping our salespeople do their job. So we were in a position where we were, we were actually making a profit, which was really cool. Well, it was kind of cool. It was cool for us. It wasn't so cool for the investors. So I'd have a conversation with Ted around month 15, and he would say, hey, how about raising that next round of funding? And I said, well, we don't really need to raise because we're actually doing okay. We're making money. And he said, well, you've got to raise the money if you want to convert the debenture. And I thought, huh, okay, this is interesting. Let, let me think about this a little more. I still have some time. It was only about a year in. So we went back to the grind. We were doing what we could. We were learning. We were trying to get this software thing right. It wasn't really working. But again, that managed service was just ticking up and up and up. And I saw in our PL, I was like, geez, this is something about this business is working, but it's not what the investors care about. So finally, we're heading into year three. I jump on a call with Ted. And this time he says to me, okay, the debt, the debenture is coming due. Are you going to raise another round or are you going to pay it back? And I said, well, Ted, we don't need to raise another round. And frankly, we've had conversations with VCs. They're not interested in what's working in this business, which is the managed service. They care about the software. And our software just doesn't work that well. Ted was not having it. He said, okay, so you're going to pay the million dollars back then. And I said, well, we don't have that kind of profit to dole out a million dollars. But Ted made it very clear. Either you're going to pay it back or you're going to raise a round or there's a door three, but I don't even want to talk about door three. Now, think about it where I was sitting in that, in that position. So basically, I'm being told there's basically a ticking time bomb on my company. We have to raise a round of funding or our debenture holders are going to come to us and basically demand repayment of a million dollars, which we didn't have. We didn't have a million dollars sitting in the bank ready to pay. This was a really hard situation to be in because I didn't just want to give up this company that was working that I had invested three, four years of my life in. I had a team. We had clients. We had a product. It was working. I didn't want to just stop. So what did we do? Well, first thing I did was I, I think I might have thrown up. It was really a hard time emotionally. I didn't know what I was going to do. We had a profitable business. It was growing. I didn't want to raise more money. I wasn't in a position to pay it back. And I honestly thought to myself, why don't these guys just wait to get paid back? We can pay them back over a longer period of time. But that's generally not what venture capitalists want to do. They want to get out or they want to be in with a win. And there's really no in-between there. So I really kind of put my head down. I said, well, wait a second here. What could I do? Let's just use an open playbook here. What could I do if I wanted to keep going down the path that I could go on? Could I work out a repayment plan? Well, yeah, maybe I could. Okay, what would that repayment plan look like? Well, what if I were to pay back my investors, my debenture holders, some money now and work out some type of payment plan where I could pay them the balance over the next one or two years? All right, so that might work. Let's put that in, in you know, bucket A. What could I do in the meantime to even pay them back? Well, did I have enough cash in the bank that I could fork up anything to pay them? Yeah, I could. I could probably fork up a couple hundred thousand bucks. Okay, well, that, that's good. I'll put that in bucket B. What about more money? Could I get more money from somewhere? Again, I didn't. it wasn't like we needed this money forever. I just needed time to pay it back. So what could I do? Well, could I go to friends and family? Could I go to banks? Could I go to other funding sources to find short-term money? I just need to bridge this loan long enough that I could pay it back to my debenture holders. I can't pay them back a million dollars today, but maybe I can pay them back a million dollars over the course of two or three or four years. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. I ended up 
raising money from friends, from family, from all kinds of people that I felt confident raising from because I had a business that was actually generating profits. And here's the key learning out of all of this, my friends. Venture capital isn't the only game in town. And I've talked about this ad nauseum. Venture capital is there for a very specific type of company. It's there for a company that is going for a winner-take-all market where speed is of absolute importance. Speed is paramount. It doesn't matter how good your product is or that you're the best in market. If you look at the Amazons of the world, the Netflixes of the world, the Facebooks of the world, you know, speed was so important because they had to capture that market. They didn't need to be the best. Arguably, none of those companies were the best, but the reality is they're the best today. And we don't even know who their competitors were because they're not around anymore. If that's your situation, venture capital is for you. But for all the other businesses out there, my businesses included, I realized venture capital wasn't the optimal place to be. And it wasn't even an option at this point. Venture capitalists didn't want to be in a business that was just making a healthy profit and growing at 20 30% year over year. They wanted all their money back with a 3x return. And we certainly weren't going to do that. So I went out, I created a payment plan with, with all the debenture holders. I figured out a way to pay them back something now, something later. And ultimately, I had $1 million again that I was able to pay back. And I was able to keep running the company and running the company my way. And that's what I do today. And the great part about the business that I have today is I have a cash generating business where I can use that cash to invest in other businesses and build other businesses that also generate cash. And it becomes a cycle that compounds on itself. And that's what I really love to do. I call it my mini Berkshire. And there's a lot of people out there that, that are building their own, their own holding companies. And they're using the Berkshire Hathaway model, which is the model that I follow. I use the cash that my company spits off to build and buy other businesses that in turn spit off cash. I have my sectors that I focus on. I know what I'm good at. I stay within my core competency. And I make sure that I learn from my mistakes and I will not go down a path again that will put me in a situation where I'm in a do or die moment. I just won't do that again. And I don't, I don't need to because I've learned now and I've grown from that experience. So that is the story of how I raised a million bucks in seed funding, how I almost lost everything over the course of three years, and how in the end, I bought up my investors and built a multi-million dollar business. I'll tell more stories like this and share more lessons I've learned. If you enjoyed what you've heard, definitely follow me on Twitter at RealJohnDavids, R-E-A-L-J-O-N-D-A-V-I-D-S. Leave a rating and review on this podcast and subscribe. I'll talk to you guys soon.